But let me know what you think about this, actually. I think mixed is more matchup-based than men's, or women's for that matter, maybe. I don't know anything about women's. But I, I think mixed is more matchup-based than men's because if you look at, you know, when Tyson and Catherine play against Ben and Anna Lee, Ben and Anna Lee have not had any real issues with Tyson and Catherine at all. Um, it always looks really comfortable. I don't know if Tyson and Catherine have won. Maybe they've won a game. It's, it's been very comfortable. But I would consider Tyson and Catherine more difficult for me and Anna to play than JW and Georgia are. And there's an argument, I think, that Tyson and Catherine are a better team than JW and Georgia. But JW and Georgia give Ben and Lee way more trouble than Tyson and Catherine do. Okay, we're about to do uh, another podcast where Adam carries me. And I'm not exactly sure why I'm the one that's introducing Adam. Adam should be the one introducing me, but here we are. Thanks again. I feel like we talked about that last time too, did we not? How I, I should do the intro. We, we sure haven't switched though. It's all good. Maybe next time. It's funny because it's like, I'm the one that presses record. It's my computer. You know, I got the gadgets here. I feel like I'm the one that should say, hey, we got Adam Stone coming on. But if that's not how it should be, I mean, you say the word. This is your show. This is the Adam Stone show. All up to you. Hey, well, you're you're really moving ahead and adulting and in life because you got your actual name on your thing. I'm still Corinne. So you're James Ignatowicz down there instead of Anna Bright. So you're moving in the right direction, James. No question. Yeah, no, I finally got a uh, charger for my computer. It was actually three months with no charger. I would always have to use Anna's charger. She was like, ah, you know, let me get you a charger. She actually bought me a charger. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. uh, details are so, details. Yeah, details, you know. I mean, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't have to say three months. You could have said a while, you know. Uh, it was actually more than three. <laughs> that's why I said three. You, you dumbed it down a little bit to three. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, man, well, we're on the topic of you, you know, just moving into adult life, uh, even though you might, you know, occasionally take three months to get a charger. So why don't we why don't we talk about this virtual coaching right off the bat before we get into uh, the PPA recap? Tell me a little bit about uh, what's going on with the virtual coaching. You know, this might be the perfect time to introduce the virtual coaching because it's we're only a minute in. People haven't logged off yet. Nobody's quit on the podcast yet. You don't want to introduce that, introduce that stuff at the end. Half of the audience is there. So my virtual coaching is there's a bunch of options like, you know, we're going to have option where it's a one on one Zoom meeting with me for an hour. And it's just me and you. We're going to talk about your game. We're going to talk about anything that comes to your mind. I'll be pretty unfiltered. If, if you want to know my thoughts about Adam Stone behind his back, I got you, you know, unfiltered, just don't record it. Uh, and, you know, stuff like that. We're going to do, you know, you can send me your match footage, your practice footage, and I'm a pickleball nerd. I'm watching the game all the time. So I figured, you know, I might as well get into coaching because I feel like I kind of, I know how to coach to a certain extent, but we'll let you guys be the judge of that. So Thank you, Adam, for for bringing that up because I'm I'm really excited about this. So no, no, definitely. I, th I James, I do, I do think that you have a good eye for the game, and uh, I don't think anyone, whether it's watching film, uh, tiptoe, uh, crazy footwork on the court, has done more in pickleball in the last eighteen months to two years. So uh, take advantage of of that dedication you've had to the game and, and make your game better. I think that's a great idea. Uh, 
Let's move right on to the PPA. Uh, had a big tournament this past weekend down in Daytona, and we talked last time about how you needed a bit of time off after the strenuous uh, draws at nationals. You went on a little rant about it. Everyone appreciated that. Uh, so let's let's start off with mixed. Uh, so you went ahead and gave Anna Bright over to Andreas Seelstrom. Uh, how did their day go, and were you able to watch any of the matches? Um, I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't actually watch. I uh, <laughs> I was pretty busy. I didn't have much much time. Um, I was setting up my website, you know, the virtual coaching, whatever. I didn't. I, the truth is, I didn't watch. But I heard great things. I heard that they actually beat Connor Garnett and Rihanna Valdez, um, which is a good win. I mean, Connor's been playing great. Connor got to the finals of men's. And Andreas is a funny player because he has so much power. He might have the best overhead in the game. I mean, it's, you know, it's either him or Thomas Wilson. He's 6'9". He's got insane hands. And he's not maybe the best mover. He's over 40 now. But I think he does have a high ceiling. I think, you know, he's been playing for a year now, maybe a year and a half. So he's still raw. His, his soft game isn't great. But everything else is great. I mean, his backhand punch is actually insane. Um, and I think if he commits himself and he keeps playing, like he's getting great practice. He's playing with me, sometimes JW, Christian, Gabe Tardio, like he's in that epicenter in Delray of the best players. So I think a guy like Andreas is actually somebody who can maybe enter that premier level conversation, uh, maybe towards the back end of that in doubles. I, I, I could see him making, you know, being a guy that gets to the quarters and doubles, like if he gets the right partner, I mean, he's got so many tools um but he's still really raw obviously and then anna's anna so we know that i mean and they they had a tough one against jesse and riley but that's a that's a tough team to beat i mean it, it's funny andreas had actually told me after he was like man riley's annoying he's like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, i like i like him more already uh well done on the epicenter that was, that's a good word there james oh, that's very solid so longest word i know uh, but I, I think that there's no question. It's the most unique, special skill set we've ever seen. Uh, with with his length, the pop you talked about, the very, very high-end tennis, uh, pro tennis background. And the question is, can he overcome some of the age and, and footwork issues uh, to let those, that skill set shine at, at its best? And we'll have to find out. I hope he stays healthy. I know he's had some back issues before. So if he stays healthy, I think it will be a fun, whatever, six months to a year to to see if he can take that next leap, uh, even though he is at an accelerated age. Well, what's funny, too, is like, you know, you see a big guy like that and you think right off the bat, he's probably better on the left than on the right. But when he plays with me, JW, like he played a bunch with me, JW and Dylan, and he was hanging in there really well when he was on the right. Um, and what's funny about him is I think he's better on the right because he can sit backhand so hard because he's 6'9 that he never has to hit a forehand. It's like, you know, you see how hard it is to make Matt Wright or Colin Johns hit a forehand. Imagine trying to make Andreas hit a forehand. If he stands on that right sideline and he just goes like this all backhand, he's got 35% of the court. So, I mean, that's, that's what I found. I love to speed up off the bounce from the left, and I have not had a lot of success attacking Andreas unless I go full back which is something that I love to do. But anyways. Big man, big target, uh, tall, wide, whatever you are. Uh, full bag works against those players. And, of course, works against best against those heavy-handed guys as well. 
uh, we had a nice run from uh, my buddies, Thomas and Viv. They got a, a bronze medal. Always like to see people I like do well. We had a couple interesting score lines. We had uh, Callan Dawson and Rachel Rohrabacher beating Matt and Lucy first round and then getting smoked three and one by Elise Jones and Colin Johns. Uh, very interesting mixed score line there. Yeah. Any any thoughts on, on any of that? Well, I spoke to Matt after, and I think Matt had some, you know, he wasn't even able to use the paddle that he normally uses because the paddle that he normally uses was still being tested by the time that he had started play. So he wasn't able to get his paddle tested and cleared before he had to start. So he had to use some different model. So I don't know the, you know, the details behind that. I don't want to throw the PPA under the bus. It's really tough to test every single paddle. So many paddles are failing and it's not, you know, it's not necessarily the PPA's fault, but that's just a tough situation. Um, not even just, you know, switching from one paddle to another, but actually switching to an entirely different model. Maybe it was a thicker version of the Onyx. That's tough to do. So um, I think that's probably what happened there because you'd think Matt and Lucy would probably beat Callan and Rachel. Uh, not that Callan and Rachel aren't good. I mean, Rachel's playing really well and so is Callan, but I think I'm also, I think I'm more interested by Colin and Elise winning three. Yeah. Elise is good at mixed. Me and Elise, we went two and one at MLP this last event. She played great. Um, Colin, I didn't think he was a great mixed player. I don't think anybody did, not even Colin. <laughs> I mean, Colin would tell you himself. He's not, and, and I'm not worried. Colin doesn't watch this podcast. He's he's probably watching film. He doesn't care about our podcast. So I'll say whatever I want about Colin. But no, I mean, Colin is... Uh, I didn't think he was going to be a good uh, look. I mean, him and Elise haven't had a lot of success when when they I, I, they played together at I think it was Cincinnati in early September. They just I don't know. I guess Colin's learning how to play mix because I watched I watched one highlight from Colin against uh, Ben and Anna Lee, and I think Colin beat Ben in a hands battle. It looked like he was all over the place, and he actually said to me, "He's like my my focus this year is going to be getting better at mixed." So maybe he's doing that. Maybe this is the first indication of it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no. And, and, and I know Elise is, is, you know, the definition of that right side rock, uh, but she is not, uh, doesn't have a, a big wingspan and doesn't particularly cover a large amount of court. So Colin was doing some work. Uh, he, he had to have for them to have that success a little bit different. You're, you're more comfortable than Colin taking a lot of the court. So it's different when you guys are playing an MLP with Elise. Uh, but yeah, just, just interesting score lines. Uh, I, I thought in those two matches, and that makes a lot of sense with the Matt Wright paddle. I, I was, you know, if Rachel and Callan beat them, wouldn't surprise me, but three and seven, definitely a pretty, pretty comfortable score line. Um, and then of course we had the Johnsons losing in four, uh, to Ben and Anna Lee in the finals. Uh, I believe they won game one and lost game two, 13-11, and then a quick game three and game four. Uh, did you Were you able to see any of that? And if you weren't, uh, what, what do you think about that matchup in general? Yeah, I watched, uh, I think, a little more than half of it, and I've seen them play each other a lot. I watched when J-Dub and George actually beat Ben and Anna Lee earlier this year in Arizona. I think it was in January. And... Um, it's funny because that both of those teams are somewhat similarly constructed in that a lot of their offense, maybe even more offense comes from the girl than the guy. I know when I play Georgia and JW, George is the one that's actually pulling the trigger more often than JW is. And when I play Ben and Anna Lee, I think it's pretty much even. 
if it if it bounces to Ben's backhand, there's actually you know it's way safer than if it bounces to Anna Lee on any part of the court. So I think that if you're Anna Lee and you love to attack the guy and you have JW in front of you, that's not an easy task. And she's able to attack JW. She's had some success attacking JW, not a lot. But if that's their main source of offense, that's not an easy task to attack JW. So I think that's why that team is a pretty good matchup uh, for Ben and Annalie, because Georgia can maybe have more more success attacking Ben than Annalie can have attacking J-Dub, if that makes sense. So, I mean, Georgia obviously can get better at dinking forehand cross court. It's still a little shaky, I think, technically. Um, getting up to the kitchen, I know Ben and Annalie have a huge advantage there also. and. It's just a really, it's a weird matchup dependent thing because when we played Georgia and JW, uh, I mean, Anna and I have a really good record against Georgia and JW this year. I think we're like six and one. And um, at nationals, we beat them in three straight games pretty convincingly. And it's like, I don't think we're much of a better team than they are. I think it's just matchup based because if Anna can get cross court with Georgia all day and the only way for them to beat us is if Georgia attacks me, that hasn't been a path to success. So it's a, it's an interesting situation. Um, but yeah, mixed, I think is actually more matchup dependent. This is, this is just a theory I have. I could be wrong. I don't know, but let me know what you think about this. Actually. I think mixed is more matchup based than men's or women's for that matter. Maybe I don't know anything about women's. But I, I think mixed is more matchup based than men's because if you look at, you know, when Tyson and Catherine play against Ben and Anna Lee, Ben and Anna Lee have not had any real issues with Tyson and Catherine at all. Um, it always looks really comfortable. And I don't know if Tyson and Catherine have won. Maybe they've won a game. It's, it's been very comfortable. But I would consider Tyson and Catherine more difficult for me and Anna to play than JW and Georgia are. And there's an argument, I think, that Tyson and Catherine are a better team than JW and Georgia. But JW and Georgia give Ben and Annalee way more trouble than Tyson and Catherine do. So it's just so matchup-based because there is that huge gap in level um, between a guy and a girl and the guys in front of the girl. It's just a, it's weird. So that's kind of a tangent that I just went on. But Number one, we had four last time, James. I don't think we're going to get there, but number one is good. And I think matchup... I think you're exactly right. I I think in my playing career so many times, I would have trouble with this team, ease against this team, and then they would go their merry way and, and do complete opposites against other teams. And, and this happens so, so, so frequently. And I think that there's maybe just a bit more to exploit and more going on in those mixed matchups as opposed to gender so that you – when you are in a favorable or not favorable matchup, it, it's just harder to get out of or uh, uh, whatever the case may be. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. And in that particular matchup with Ben and Anna Lee and JW and Georgia, it is super interesting because I think JW might have the worst attacks of the four. Uh, granted, out of the air on the backhand, his is very good. But uh, so so it, it, it's it's so it's so unique uh, with those matchups. And then a perfect example with CP and, and Tyson giving you guys more trouble than the Johnson uh, uh, siblings. And I think most people would not guess that. Yeah. Uh, OK, yeah. So we're going to we're going to touch on women's a little bit, but uh, we have great insights here from James Ignatowicz on men's doubles and mixed doubles. So a little less so in women's because he doesn't play that event. So we'll touch on it. Do you 50, hope 
They better hope I don't jump in. <laughs> 50 and 0, James. Pretty wild for Catherine Parento and Annalie Waters. Uh, ended up uh, catching uh, the veterans, Callie and Lucy, in the final, who had a couple nice, pretty comfortable wins against Allison Harris and Rachel Rohrabacher, but 4 and 2. But Leah Jansen and Hurricane Tyra, 2 and 9. That's pretty comfortable. Uh, and I'm not sure I would have expected that kind of scoreline from that match. And then they had a very tight match against Jade Kawamoto and Lacey Schneeman uh, to end up playing Catherine and Anna Lee for gold on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Callie was just on my MLP team. She's playing really well. She's got such heavy hands. Um, you know, once Jay switched to the new paddle, I think that's what got him to the second heaviest hands on our team, maybe. But before he had that paddle, I'd rather attack Jay than Callie. You know, that's a, that's a she's tough to attack. She's got the little sort of pancake-ish thing that she does right here, uh -huh. at the right shoulder. And um, yeah, I mean, she's she's a great women's player and also a great mixed player. But uh, Catherine and Annalie, that's a tough team. I think, let me ask you this, because I would talk a little bit about women's double strategy, but I probably know less than the person watching this right now. I don't get women's double strategy. I actually don't watch women's doubles because it's so carnal and so aggressive. They're speeding up <laughs> so often that it gives me bad habits because it, it goes, because that's what I want to do. Like I watch women's doubles. I'm like, okay, it's okay. I, I can pull a backhand off the bounce from three feet off the line. Let's do it. And then I do it. It doesn't work. So I can't watch women's doubles. It makes, gives me bad habits. I just, anyways, let me ask you this. Do you think it's bad that Anna Lee does not lose? Do you think that it is maybe if she starts losing in two or three years, it'll be tough. Maybe she's not, you know, learning how to lose, so to speak. It could be bad for, I don't know. People say that. I don't really know. I lose all the time and I'm fine. So I, I can't really, what do you think? Okay. So, so, so you're saying not necessarily bad for the sport if she dominates, but bad for her in general. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I think that absolutely that that's true. So, I mean, you, you just forget, uh, you know, she's playing this sport that so many people care about at such a high level. You forget about her age. And I think that anyone who is that young and has older people, adults admiring them, I think it's a very interesting dynamic mentally in terms of your development and everything and so I, I think that all of that wrapped into one her being the player that she is the fact that she's this dominant and having this run in this sport who which we know is getting tighter and tighter in terms of talent and level there's going to be other players coming in I don't care how good they are uh, some thought it would happen before it has but some of the uh, some of the dominant players a few years ago were very much still around. So I think that it will be interesting to see how she reacts uh, to a handful of losses, multiple losses in a row, maybe not even winning an event in a tournament, which I think is impossible not to happen at some point. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's not going to happen in the next six months or even probably not even next year. Uh, but in 2025, you know, we see how much pickleball is exploding. And if you look at the players that have come in, it's not actually as much as people say. Like, if you look at the men's players, the guys that have come in in the last two years, I, I, picked, I first picked up a paddle two years ago. The guys in the top 10, when I first picked up a paddle two years ago, I think seven of those guys are still in the top 10, maybe eight. 
um, that's not a crazy rate of you know displacement. Like people aren't just getting displaced left and right, right? You still have all these legacy players. My year it was like me, Federico, Pablo, and the next year it's like Christian, Connor. Remind me if there's anybody else that's having a lot of success in doubles. I can't really think of it. I don't know. It's it's not what I'm saying is it's not a crazy rate of people coming in, and. I think that's what's going to change because people are now seeing these big contracts. Two years ago, when I came into the sport, I didn't think I was going to make a lot of money. I just loved to hit dinks. I just was obsessed with playing the game. I just loved the game. But that's different, you know, because now people are hearing, oh, this person's making $300,000, whatever it is. That's going to change a lot. So in two years, maybe two years from today, so let's say two years ago, seven out of the 10 are still there two years ago from today maybe two of those players will still be in the top 10 i think maybe three i think it's going to be a big it's going to be a big displacement of current talent so in two years from now if if anna lee if i were betting on it i'd, I'd still bet that she'll be number one for sure i'm not crazy i think she still will be but there's going to be she's going to lose more often i would imagine she has to. She's 50 and 0. If she loses less often, has to. Awesome. Has to. <laughs> it's not possible to lose less often. So <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how that's gonna work. Like I uh the only the only thing I can compare it to is when I was 14, I <laughs> uh might have to actually just move on. I can't even say that. Anyways, that's all I got. <laughs> okay. Well it's it's kind of i mean it's not the same thing but it kind of is like a child star it's Wait, like you you froze oh there you are okay yeah like uh you, you're still frozen oh no that's sad okay let's touch on men's yeah so well we we touch on women's we gotta get at least a little bit deeper in men's uh because we, we gotta take advantage of your expertise here james so uh we <laughs> we we had the Johns brothers lose. We have to talk about this uh, to Xiaomei and Wyatt Stone and a little little message to uh, young Buck Stone. He's got seven more to go before he's the uh, the Stone with the most wins over Ben. So uh, we'll just touch on that. I haven't, I haven't tooted my horn. You're safe. You're safe. very much lately. <laughs> so I'm just gonna. I had to squeeze that in there. I think you'll uh, create a stone of all time for, for a okay. little Hey, I like that. I don't uh, know if there's any current stones. I don't know. We'll see about why. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got some game, obviously. You don't, I, I, I do not care uh, if you can't repeat it or whatever. You beat the Johns brothers. You got some game. Uh, what about Jaume and Wyatt do you think possibly uh, led to this victory for them? It's funny, actually. There was a video of it on YouTube that I saw a little bit of that then got taken down. Um, it was on YouTube. It was, I got sent it. I probably shouldn't say who recorded it because I, there's a reason that they deleted it. Long story, but I saw the video and Wyatt was going behind Ben a lot. Wyatt was rolling Dinks out of the air and Dinkin cross court with, with Ben really well, or sorry, with, with Colin really well, going at Ben's belly button a lot, mixing up the spots. Um, so what I saw was Wyatt attacking Ben a lot. And Jaume's hands looked good, you know, for a new player, he's got like a, he gets, he finds a lot of forehands. He'll find a forehand here, here. I didn't see much of this. Like, I don't really see a backhand punch. He's kind of like 
forehand and then two he's kind of like a you know like a lot of the best women no don't take that the wrong way John may but that's just how he counters like forehand and two no one but I think he's a you know I mean I said it before he's my favorite singles player maybe he's my favorite doubles player now I don't know the guy he looks good um but I think I was actually more impressed with Wyatt uh which is something I never thought I would say but yeah. Yeah. And I, I know. Uh, and, you know, I haven't I, I've been on court with him a, a handful of times. And I, of course, I've watched him play and called a couple of his matches. Uh, and he I think that he will make some questionable decisions and, and have some inconsistency and some random errors move in. But I think kind of the shot making and overall hand speed is not that bad at all. So I, I think he has has some tools to work with. And I think there's reason to believe as he gets a little bit older and more mature that he could put some more stuff together and have, you know, be in the mix for, for possibly having more wins like this. And it makes sense that Jaume is find, finding a lot of forehands as well when the main pattern is, is Wyatt attacking uh, uh, bend straight ahead gives him a lot of time and, and extra uh, extra few feet to to do some damage off of that. So and I and I think that that's I think that's a big difference in skill sets too. Is speeding up and then cleaning up your own ball and then having your partner speed up and you being ready to clean up as well. And I think it's not as simple as you're just good at both. I think they're they're both very different. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, and you know, one thing about Wyatt too is his backhand punch is pretty good. He, he sits backhand pretty hard and he can, like he's tough to attack when he's on the right. So I think he's uh, he's got upside too, for sure. And as far as cleaning up your own attacks, like that's that's something I've noticed. Like that's something JW is, he's so good at both, but a lot of players are maybe a lot better at, you know, cleaning up their own attack. And I think when I first started, I was, for whatever reason, a lot better when my partner sped up because I would just kind of just react and it was pretty natural. And when I sped up, when I was getting started, I didn't really know the patterns. I just, you know, I had fast hands, but didn't really know what was going on. And when I sped up, I was actually worse. So that's, that's something that I think is a really good point. It's just that you have to be good at both and, or at least work on both. Um, because that was something I had to put a ton of effort into just kind of saying, okay, if I speed up across his body with a backhand off the bounce, most of the time it's going to go here to my forehand. Most of the time it's going this way in a triangle. And um, Colin Johns actually taught me that, funnily enough. Like, I was playing Minnesota, and he was like, hey, yeah, if you speed up across the body, it's going to go here. Like, walk it across. I was like, oh, I, I had no idea. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, those, it's funny. Like, those are the types of nuances that a lot of players don't really – it takes time. Like there's so many little nuances that you just subconsciously figure out. Like you can know it in your mind, but you don't actually do it. Like it has to be ingrained. It's uh, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I, I, I had some issues with that, especially in mixed in my career. And I, I mean, you might not think so, but I, I was, I was an okay left side player there for a while. And whenever I was kind of whatever going alpha and taking a lot of court and, and squeezing middle, I seem to have more success and better percentage wins in those hands battles. And when my female partner would, would pull some triggers or, or uh, try to attack the guy and actually set up a decent ball for me, I would find myself making more errors and not being as ready as I should. So just wanted, just wanted to mention that out, uh, mention that, that those are two different skill sets. And James, do we have, did we have a 12 year old 
in uh, pro doubles? Was there a double Duong in uh, men's doubles in Daytona? I didn't think it was his dad, but I figured it had to be a relative. So <laughs> very It's got to be a relative. They didn't just find a Duong on the street. A double Duong, a double Duong, yes. <laughs> yeah, like taking partner applications. Last name's got to be Duong. Got some, <laughs> some other Duong. Now this is... <laughs> Bao Duong. People people don't know about Bao Duong. You go on Kwong Duong's Instagram and it's all Kwong Duong. There's no Bao Duong. And Bao's name is spelled B-A-O, just like the, you know, a Bao bun, like the Vietnamese dumpling thing. So Whatever. good. Yeah, exactly. And he's kind of shit. He's, he's thick. He's kind of looks like a Bao bun. Like he's like 12, but he's like big and, and kind of chunky and strong. And I look at this kid, I walk by him, and I thought he was like Kwong Duong's 16-year-old little brother, maybe his like slightly thicker twin. You know, sometimes you've got a skinny twin and a big twin. He's 12. So he's like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, he's like a big 12-year-old, and he's lefty, but he switches hands. And um, it's funny, you can go to, a, go to Kwong's Instagram, his last post is a video of Kwong and Bao playing together against AJ and Eric Lang. Uh -huh. And Bao is like almost as good as Kwong. And, and Kwong says that Bao's hands are better than Kwong's hands. That's coming from Kwong. So I feel like I'm going to mix up the names like Kwong, Bao, Duong. It's just, it's a lot. But that video on Kwong's Instagram is a video of Bao being attacked by AJ right at the chest. And he just sends it back. Counter winner. And he's 12. So you just ask yourself, like, is this is this kid the next? I mean, he's nasty. Like, he's making drops. His resets are looking good. He's playing pro at 12. Like, I don't know. I think that kid might end up being, like, a real problem. Um, so I just wanted to shout out Bao Duong because it's just, it's just hilarious. Another thing, too, is, like, you watch Kwong and, you know, everybody's like, oh, why does after every point Kwong just look at his dad? right? Like every point he just looks at his dad and it's his dad's got some sort of solution. I'm sure Bao doesn't do that. Bao doesn't even, I, I've never seen Bao look at the dad. He's focused on his own game. He's like, I've got the answers. <laughs> Bao's got the answers. He doesn't care. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That, uh, yes. At, at, yeah. I mean, he, he switches hands. He's a lefty. You said he's five, eight or five, nine, and he's smacking AJ Kohler speed ups back at him for winners. I mean, that, that is going to be a problem. Granted they did lose Owen two, but, uh, <laughs> but still the skill, the skill set is there. So, uh, yeah, watch out They're They're coming out of the woodworks. So, uh, be prepared everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. Well, that's all you have to say for the topic and the episode. I think it's a perfect time to shut it down. Uh, appreciate the insights, Mr. James, until next week, uh, until we do it again. See you later. Thank you. Thank you again, Adam.